Wow, that was such a smooth start. This oh is my like, god. Wow, who knew that that could happen? Take that, Mercury retrograde. Is it in retrograde? Oh, we're in it. And we're in it until like November 6th or something. Oh, terrific. <laughs> Buckle up, buttercups. <laughs> Well, oh, but when this podcast comes out, we'll be out of it. We'll be done. But currently, we're who not knows done. what that world will look like? <laughs> we, we don't know what it'll look like on the other side. The election will be done at that point, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anybody? I mean, not anybody. Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> is anybody there? Anybody? We're sending out a plea for help at the big, at the top of this episode. <laughs> anybody? <laughs> anybody? Uh, welcome back to Oddities. I'm Cassie. I'm Anna. And welcome back to Strange Town. There it is. You look so pleased. I am. And uh, before we forget, our social media information is in the description box. If you would like to donate to our Patreon, we can be found under Oddities Podcast. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. How do we spell Oddities? O-D-D-I-T-I-E-S. That's right. And we also have an email. We'd love to hear from you, whether it's a topic or your own personal spooky story, or you just want to say hello. Our email is oddities.talk at gmail.com, and that is also listed in the description box. Yeah, and if you're a patron, you know this, but you get special bonus episodes every Wednesday. That's right. If you guys just, like, once a week of us is not enough and you need more... Donate to our That's Patreon, right. and you can have That's extra right. content. Very extra exciting. Dumb. You can have extra stupid every week. So, how are you, my friend? Uh, I'm good. I'm tired. Um, That's I've not been sleeping well. Oh. Yeah. I mean, like, it, now my trouble is getting to sleep. This mm. is just going to become, this podcast is going to turn into my therapy session. <laughs> The, the chronicles of Anna's sleepy, I mean, sleeplessness. <laughs> sleepy. Sleepiness. The chronicles of Anna's sleepy. <laughs> Jesus. We're starting um, strong today. <laughs> I know, we're really, we're really cutting it out with a bang. Mm. I, I just feel like, I, I, I don't know, but the, um, otherwise I'm fine. It's just like getting to sleep for some reason. My body's like, what if we think about other things? I don't want to. <laughs> I hate it when your mind won't shut off. You know, that's the worst. It just, For me, so it, I've been. Oh, sorry. Oh. Go ahead. I've just been playing community to get me to go to sleep. Oh, that works. I was going to say for me, uh, it happens for me in the middle of the night. Like I'll wake up to pee and then it's Ugh. all I can do is start thinking. And it's just like, I'm that's done. That's the worst feeling. And I know I'm going to be like awake for like an hour to two hours. So I just kind of, you know. When whenever I pee in the middle of the night, I like pretend to my well. I try and convince my body I'm still sleeping while I'm sitting on the toilet. So I'm like, you can't think about anything else. You're still sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> I get like pissed at myself. Like I'm like sitting there on the toilet, like berating myself, and it's like, okay, let's calm down, self. It's a natural bodily function. It's okay that you need to pee. In the middle of the night. Also, it's. I feel like I'm the most angry at myself when I'm awake in the middle of the night. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, because you should be sleeping. You 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 know better than this. <laughs> <laughs> this is not what we were designed for. <laughs> but this past week, when I was going to sleep, at, like I could fall asleep right away. I was going to sleep at like ten o'clock. It was amazing. Welcome. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, how are you? I'm I'm fine. I was uh, today. I, I lit a candle. And it's a new candle. It's mm. toasted coconut mocha. <coughs> it smells. Excuse me. It smells damn good. Other than that, I was, um, you know, and I went back and forth about whether to bring this up or not. I was asked this week. I was asked what I consider to be a loaded gun of a question, and and the question is, and it wasn't just me. It was Corey as well. Is when are you guys having kids? And I, Ooh, I feel the need okay. 
I feel the need to talk about this a little bit, but it's not going to be for too long because I don't, that's, that's not what this is. It's just, this is something that I think, I think it needs to be said more. And, you know, if I've got a little bit of a platform here to do it, then I'm going to do it. And so (sighs) that question kills me. I can't stand that question for a variety of reasons. Um, And when people ask that question, they don't necessarily mean it with any bad intent or anything like that. That's not what this case was. But for those of you who don't know, I have two chronic health conditions. I have PCOS and I have stage four endometriosis, both of which are going to make it very, very hard for me one day to have kids, if at all. And these are things, these are this diagnosis that I've received for both of these. It's something that I've come to terms with. It's something that I actively learn about all the time, that I can appreciate about myself and everything else. But the problem is this. When you ask me that question, you're asking me to actively look at a future that's full of unknowns that I can't control. You're asking me to just to just dive into this mystery of a future I can't tell you. And also it's not your business because even if I wasn't in this position, Mm -hmm. there's more to it than that. It could be financial. It could be career. It could be, I don't want kids. It could be health like me. It could be a whole host of combination of things, whatever. And it's nobody's business. And so the bottom line too is it takes two to tango. So even if Corey were to turn to me and say, I'm ready for a family, nobody's pulling the trigger until I say so. And and it's also another thing to consider is just um, for some people, having a family is the ultimate goal, and that's fine. And there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. I have a whole host of things, though, that I'm looking to do outside of that. And in order for me to be the kind of parent that I want to be, nothing in my life right now is conducive to it. I I am about to go back to school again. For those of you that don't know, I'm about to go for my fourth degree, my second master's degree. I'm going to go to Tutor. Yep, Johns Hopkins. It's I'm studying biotechnology, concentration in stem cell and regenerative technology. I don't have time for kids. I have career moves I want to make. Corey is in school. We have a whole host of things in our personal lives that we need to settle. But outside of that, when you asked that question, when are you guys having kids? You inadvertently broke my heart a little bit more than it's already been broken. Right. You know, for me, it's not just a case of, all right, well, I think we'll just, you know, let's go, let's go have a little something and, you know, maybe we'll just have a nice result and we'll have a kid and that'll be it. For me, it's going to be doctor's appointments, surgeries, needles, mm-hmm. hormones. It's going to be so much more. And it could very well be all of that only to have me end up miscarrying or never having any kind of success. And here's the thing, too. And that brings up a whole host of other thoughts really fast. We've been taught. Our oh, whole, I love this. We've been taught our whole lives that a family is a man and a woman and their kids that they have. But that's not what it is at all. A family can be a woman and a woman, a man and a man. To, to, I guess, non-binary, is that the right, you know, term? Mm-hmm. It can mm-hmm. be, it can be a grandma and a grandpa, a grandma and a grandpa. It can be your own kids that you give birth to. It can be adopted kids. It could be other family members' kids that you've taken in as your own. It can be, it can be foster. There is, it, there is. It can is, be the people on your block. There, yeah. It, yeah, and it doesn't even need to be kids. It can just be a whole host of people that you hold dear to you that are not even blood-related, and that's your family. The bottom line is this. There is no shape to a family. That's right. And so I think that's something else that somebody needs to consider as well. And so, and the other question is this. I look normal. Cassie, you are normal. But no, physically, I'm not normal. Physically, I have these issues that a lot of people don't have, that a lot of people do have. But the problem is this. What if you asked me that question on a day when I wasn't strong enough? What if I was asked that question after 
I had miscarried and nobody knew about it. Not that I have, That's right. but what if, what if that was the case? What if mm-hmm. this was the day when I was at my breaking point and that was the day you chose to ask the question and then it was going to be too late. Right. You know, these are the things that people need to consider. And then unfortunately they don't consider. And these are the things that piss me off that break my heart. And, and my heart hurts for so many people out there that are asked this seemingly innocuous question innocuous question and and maybe it seems like i'm overreacting and maybe this or maybe that but the bottom the bottom line is this it's none of your business i'll have kids when when i'm ready to have kids we will do that and that's that's it and everybody shut up and that's the bottom line and if you know i'm just gonna i'm gonna get jump on the tail end because i didn't want to interrupt you because you were you were off on it Mm. which i heavily agree Mm mm-hmm that is not in an era where we now have more, not nearly enough, but more light shining on women's health issues. Mm-hmm. We have the absolute ability to have access to birth control. That's not an appropriate question. It's, it's just not. It's not. And so... and. and- Oh, you, you have no idea the health of either partner, if either one can, can do... Can can have the ability to, to procreate. You have no idea the health of the mental health of people. If they want to pass that on to children, I don't want kids. So for me, if you're asking me if I'm in a relationship and you're like, Oh, when are you having kids? That's not an appropriate question because now I have to go through the awkward explanation of being like, I don't want kids. And then listening to you berate me about why I should have kids. Oh, but you'd be such a good mom. Why don't you want kids? It's not your fucking business. Yeah. It's just not. Yeah, and that's the thing too. You never owe anybody an explanation for anything. That's right. And that's that's, that's right. it. I, I don't owe you a damn thing. Um yeah. and it's it's not to say that I'm angry at this person. It's not to say, you know, that I like mm-hmm. I feel hatred or I, you know, this or that. But the bottom line is this. I just wish people would just realize that there are realities outside of themselves and there are these other worlds that people are going through that are Maybe a lot harder than you're ever going to necessarily understand. And so the best thing you can do is stay out of it. Because I don't, you know, I don't want... The the thing that I need is for somebody to not ask me anything at all. That's right. That's exactly what I need. I 100% agree. You know, if if someone wants to tell you something, they'll tell you. If they don't, you don't need to ask them. No. And so it's just... um, this has been on my mind for several days and I just, I was in the shower this morning and it's, it's, it was still bothering me. And so I thought, you know what, I'm just gonna, and I'll leave it there. I'll leave it at that. But it just, PS, I, I think PSA. that's a very good, I think that's a very good PSA. Thank I've you. also had this discussion with so many people because there are a lot of people I know that have gone through IVF that have, got, that have had miscarriages mm-hmm. that have just had trouble. Mm-hmm conceiving and they're like that's such a horrible question for i've had people get up and leave the room Mm -hmm. like it's 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 not an appropriate question and it's it i understand that maybe it comes from a place of just being like oh you know like it comes from again like you said not a hurtful place Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean it's not hurting someone you don't Mm -hmm. need to ask it anymore you just don't no you're applying pressure to what you don't know is a wound no, the time to talk about it is when a person actively invites you to talk about it with them. That's exactly right. And As so, with every other part of a person's life. Pretty much. Yep. You know. So. Everyone mind your goddamn fucking business. And while you're at it, everybody shut up. Shut oh, up. Okay, stay strange. Have, have a good and one. And click. <laughs> That's our episode. It's just a fucking PSA on people's <laughs> bullshit. Bye now. Uh, no, but all in all seriousness, you know, now that we're almost 15 minutes in and everything else, I just I felt the need to say it. It's been really weighing on me. Um, and it's something that I've not just faced once. I've faced it more times than I care to. And it's something that I shouldn't have to. But it's something that I'm going to continuously face. And it's also, you know, we're at the age now where a lot of my friends are having children and, and all of that. And I'm excited for them. But a little part of me always hurts because it's like, you know, yeah. I don't know exactly what they went through to get pregnant and have a kid and all of that. But I do know that my future is very likely not going to look like that. And so it's just kind of, yeah. you know, it's it's complex. And uh, so I, maybe I'm a little more sensitive to it because of the, the point that I'm at in my life. But at the same time, kids were never going to be in the cards for me before 30. 
and they're not going to be in the cards for me right after 30. I can tell you that too. So right. everybody. You're, you're very busy. You're very busy. I, I am. I am. So everybody shut up. Please. Also, as just a other quick PSA, because I got a very upsetting text message the other night. Please stop airing your political beliefs in open platform places. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Especially if they sound crazy. That too. But crazy I is say, subjective, so I'm just going to say as a blanket statement, please stop airing your political beliefs in an open air platform. That's true. And I'm not anyone to weigh in about crazy, because right now I'm... Right Neo? Right Neo. <laughs> right Right now I'm sitting here with a t-shirt on my head. Yeah, but... <laughs> I'm plopping. Oh, I also want to say really quick, because you said this, but I don't want to gloss over it. I 110% do not think that you're overreacting. And I think to say that you are minimizes exactly how you feel. And that's not acceptable. Thank you. Yeah, that's right. But we're we're taught to minimize these things. We are. And fuck that. Fuck that in a big way. Anyway, everybody, should I start first or would you like to start first this week? (laughs) Is yours... Wait, what, 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 what are you doing this week? Because they know already. Okay, I'm doing The Hum, which is, you know, like, if, you, if you'll remember with me, a while back I kind of did, like, the Mysterious s- Sounds of the Ocean. This we is like that, that, but, like, not in the ocean. Is it short? Relatively. I can, you know, why? Is, right. yours, is yours long? No, I'm just, well, uh, kind of. I'm just trying to gauge it. But you, if you want to go first, I would love to start with the hum. Let's oh. talk about the hum, which, by the way, kind of sounds like the name of like a Stephen King novel to me or something. A thousand percent, right? Doesn't it? The hum, like, ooh, <laughs> you know. Okay. So anyway, <clears throat> okay. The hum. <laughs> the hum is a name often given to widespread reports of a persistent and invasive low-frequency humming rumbling or droning noise that's not audible to all people so only certain people can hear this shit hums have been reported worldwide i mean we've got united states united kingdom new zealand canada sometimes they're named according to the locality where the problem has been particularly publicized which is one of the ones that i'm going to focus on today which is the which i might say this wrong taos taos it's in new mexico i don't know how to say it it's t-a-o-s Oh my god! I feel like this this city was on Breaking Bad, and I have no idea how. Okay, Taos. I think it's Taos. Well, I'm gonna go with Taos, uh, which is in New Mexico. There's also one in Ontario called the Windsor Hum. Um, it does. Ooh, that so, one sounds so British. <laughs> Windsor Hum. So <laughs> clearly, it's not like a single phenomenon. There have been different causes that have been attributed to these things, um, which I'll go over a little bit. And that includes local mechanical sources from like industrial plants. There's also manifestations of tinnitus or other like biological auditory effects. Um, Reports started trickling in about the hum all the way back in the 1950s from people who had never heard anything unusual before. Like they didn't have any other issues before this, whatever. Um, And then suddenly they were bedeviled by an annoying low frequency humming, throbbing or rumbling sound. I gotta be honest. My this head would, would explode. I would this hate would fuck this. Me up. I would hate this so much. Uh, but so anyway, all these different cases, they have several different factors in common. Usually it's only heard indoors. It's generally louder at night than during the day. It is more common in rural or suburban environments. Uh, it's very rare that you'll get reports of this in urban areas, probably because of steady background noise, which is also why I would say it seems louder at night. True. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so who who hears this hum? Only about 2% of people living in any of these hum zones uh, can hear the sound. Most of them are between the ages of 55 to 70, according to a 2003 study by an acoustical consultant. What a job. What a job. (laughs) Uh, Most of the people who can hear the hum, which sometimes those people are called hearers or hummers. (laughs) My God. (laughs) they describe it as something similar to like a diesel engine that's like idling sort of nearby oh Uh, that's my nightmare and actually the hum has driven virtually everyone that hears it to some sort of point of like extreme despair at one point or another which like yes fair enough you know one person says it's a kind of torture sometimes you just want to scream ain't that the truth 
I gotta tell you, that's a motherfucking mood right there. I could tell you what, I feel like that and I don't hear this hum. So I can't imagine how these people are feeling, you know? I would feel crazy. We should have rooms where people can go and scream. I know we've talked about this. <laughs> Absolutely. I would I would actually like to, side note, as a business, like combine one of those rooms where you can go and like break shit with like just like a totally soundproof room where you can literally just where like scream, scream and it's not going to bother anybody. Also, we should have more of these like where you can break shit and screaming rooms more readily available. Like where where we're building blocks of work of buildings that are just companies stacked on top of each other, then in that same parking lot instead of a restaurant, build one of these places because yeah, like those with, people need it. Within each company instead of like a like a collaborative space or something like that, just fuck build that. a screaming room and fuck off. So, you'll get way better results. <laughs> far better. This person also said it's worse at night. It's hard to get off to sleep because I hear this throbbing sound in the background. You're tossing and turning and you get more and more agitated about it. Preach it. N- no Speaking thanks. of sleeplessness, you know? I know, seriously. <laughs> um, being dismissed as crackpots or whiners only exacerbates or, um, you know, totally aggravates the, the distress for these complaints, most of whom have perfectly normal hearing outside of this whole hum thing that they're hearing. They complain of headaches, nausea, dizziness, nosebleeds, and sleep disturbances. And at least one suicide in the United Kingdom has been blamed on the hum. Yikes. I know. So, in 1973, I'm going to focus in a little bit more on the Taos hum a little bit. But anyway, report mentions at some university study, or yeah, some university study mentions 50 cases of people complaining about a low throbbing background noise that others were unable to hear. And it was always peaking between 30 and 40 hertz. And it was only found to be heard during cool weather with a light breeze and often early in the morning. And they were usually confined to like a 10 kilometer or 6.2 mile wide area. If we were to look into the Taos hum in the early 1990s, it indicated that at least 2% could hear it each hearer at a different frequency between 32 and 80 hertz, and it modulated from 0.5 to 2 hertz. Similar results have been found in a British study, but it seems that possible it's possible for hearers to move approximately equal percentages. Oh, I'm sorry, to move away from it, with one hearer of the Taos hum reporting its range was up to 30 miles. That's big. That's way too big. Right? And there's equal percentages of males and females that hear it. Um, hmm. Age might be a factor since it's mostly like middle-aged people that are hearing it, but I don't know. I just feel like that really sucks. Some people are skeptical as to whether this hum actually exists as a physical sound, which to me is bullshit, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. In 2009, the head of audiology at Addenbrooke's Hospital in Cambridge said he believed people's problems with the hum were based on the physical world only about one-third of the time and stemmed from people focusing too keenly on innocuous background sounds and the other two-thirds of the time, or on innocuous background sounds the other two-thirds of the time. And his research focuses on using psychology and relaxation techniques to minimize the stress, which can lead to a quieting or even removal of the noise. So I guess I can, you know, maybe these people are, like, hyper-focused on, like, some tiny background noise. Maybe, but when has that ever happened? Also, if if we're a generation that's ever going to get bullshit like this, it's it's going to be us. Of if course. Because we, all we have is Bluetooth and shit going Bring right in our heads. Yep. Like, we're, we're getting fucked right between the ears. Everybody's getting the hum. So, Taos, New Mexico is nestled deep within the Sangre de Cristo mountain range. Ooh. It's home of the Tiwa Indians and the old Taos Pueblo. It is one of the longest continually inhabited communities in the United States. Love that. Very cool. And and now it's humming. And now it's humming. It's highly cultural, artistic, and spiritual, and has a number of mystical qualities, one of which is known as the hum. So in recent decades, studies have explored the low-frequency humming sound, and a variety of explanations have cropped up. And it's, it's gone, I mean, we've got a whole range, right? There's like secret experiments to like top secret military flights to electromagnetic vibrations. I mean, we're we're all over the place here. Aliens. Oh boy. Aliens. Okay. But uh they still hear it today. And it's actually been recorded very far back into history, too, for people in this area. Because there is ancient lore in this area telling of nature holding counsel with her own, and she sings as she resets her patterns of harmony. 
I love that. That's cool, right? Isn't that like so like soothing? She sings I as she resets her. I mean, wow. Love that. Yeah. So for generations, people of the area have considered this one peak known as El Salto um, to be like a a holy space. Um, and it actually, because it looks scarlet when the sun is setting, that's what caused the first settlers in the valley to name the entire range Sangre de Cristo or Blood of Christ. It has seven waterfalls and it's got giant ice sculptures in the winter and it's basically really beautiful. Uh, and basically they view it as this holy mountain that baptizes the valley with its singing waters. Behind many of the waterfalls are caves of different shapes and these caves will catch the sounds of the waterfalls and echo them across the valley. Jesus, this place sounds beautiful. I'm moving. So, in the mid-1800s, <laughs> there was a healer, holy man, and hermit, same, known as Giovanni Maria Agostini Giustianini. Hey! Mamma mia, you know? <laughs> Paisan. So, passed through the area, he climbed all the way to the top of El Salto. He would write in his journal that he heard the singing waters of the sacred mountain, and he described uh, that he had... what's it coming to go? Mm, he, he described that he had distinctly heard seven notes of the musical scale as nature played her tune on the holy mountain. Mountain climbers today continue to describe hearing a long, endless musical tune as they climb upward. How nice is that? That's beautiful. So, some say that that's the source of the hum, right? Many people who hear it describe feeling blessed and comforted by the, the low-frequency humming, but others... Obviously, like I've talked about, don't have such a pleasant experience. Some mm. hear a rumbling or buzzing, um, while others describe it as sounding like, again, a distant diesel engine. Um, some say it's maddening and drives them crazy, you know. And then again, there's also the headaches, the nosebleeds, the nausea, all of that fun stuff. They also nice. say that it doesn't sound like a natural phenomenon. It often starts abruptly and then is heard more after sunset in the middle of the night. In 1993, several of the people of Taos, banded together and petitioned Congress to investigate the noise. Four years later, politicians responded by sending a team of a dozen investigators and scientists from some of the most prestigious research institutes in the nation to look into the strange noise. Some of the facilities involved include the University of New Mexico, Sandia National Laboratories, Phillips Air Force Laboratory, and Los Alamos National Laboratory. I'm not trying to hate, but none of those sound prestigious to me. I wish everyone could have seen your face while you were reading those. Just the pure, like, what the fuck? <laughs> I know. And I remember when I was researching this, I was like, some of the most prestigious facilities. And then I, like, looked at it, and I was like, I'm not trying to hate. I'm sure they're all really great. But, like, when I think prestigious, I think, like, Oxford. Top, top, Harvard. top of the line. Yeah, right. Preferably not ones from the U.S. because our fucking system is fucked. Also, true. Also, <laughs> I... The I I'm more surprised that Congress did anything at all. <laughs> I, I am shocked by that one. Yeah. So, interestingly enough, the hum is not detectable by microphones or VLF antennae, leading many to believe that it is not a man-made sound, but rather just one or more of Mother Nature's mysteries. One She's th- resetting, bitch. That's it. One theory given is it might be caused by shifting wind patterns coming out of the Rio Grande Canyon, which is fine. But, like, what about all those other places in the world? They, they can't have right. that exact setup that they're going to get, like, a very similar frequency and everything else, you know? Right, right. Um, so, here are the possible explanations. Yes. Mechanical devices. So, this is obvious. You know, I mean, this is not, like, a, a groundbreaking theory by any fucking sense. But, anyway. Given the common description of the hum as sounding like a diesel engine, and the majority of them have not been traced to any kind of specific mechanical source, a lot of this could be, like, ruled out. But, like, in the case of Kokomo, Indiana, where there's, like, a lot of heavy industry, the origin of the hum was thought to have been traced to two sources. The first was a 36 hertz tone from a cooling tower at a local um, Chrysler casting plant, and the second was a 10 hertz tone from an air compressor intake at the Haynes International plant. And after those devices were corrected, reports of the hum still persisted. So... I don't Hmm. think it's, you know, three hums have been linked to mechanical sources. The West Seattle hum was traced to a vacuum pump um, used for, like, offloading cargo from ships and, you know, whatever else. After they replaced the silencers on the machine, the hum reports ceased. Likewise, the Wellington hum is thought to have been due to a uh, diesel generator on a visiting ship. The, let's see, there was a 35 hertz hum in Windsor, Ontario. It's thought to have originated from a steelworks 
and uh, let's see, over in the industrial zone of Zug Island near Detroit, with reports of the noise ceasing after the U.S. steel plant there ceased operations in April 2020. In Myrtle, I was going to say, like, Detroit was very industrial. Yeah, I know, exactly. Um, in Myrtle Beach, there was a suspected, uh, let's see, they had a hum, and it was suspected of originating at a Santee Cooper substation, almost two miles away from the home of a couple who first reported it. And the substation is home to the largest transformer in the state. And a local couple sued the power company for the disruption. That's right. That's how we do it. it. That's it. Um, And the hum was louder inside their house than out. And in part, they believe that's because their house vibrated in resonance to the 60 hertz hum, which is totally possible in my opinion. Um, The volume was measured up to 64.1 dB, which I got to be honest, I have no idea what measurement that is in the couple's home. Another suggestion, tinnitus, uh, which is like, you know, it's it's an ear thing. It's like a kind of like a ringing. Mm-hmm. It's like a weird. It sucks, basically. It's a self-reported disturbance of the auditory system. Some physicians use it in response to complaints about the hum. Tinnitus is usually generated internally by the auditory and nervous systems with no external stimulus. Yeah. While the hum is hypothesized by some to be a form of low frequency tinnitus such as the venus hum some report it is not internal being worse inside of homes rather than outside instead of like hearing it kind of equally you know no matter where Mm -hmm. you are so i think we can kind of rule out tinnitus as well maybe in some of the cases you know like some of the people might be experiencing that but i don't know also are you going to go and say that literally all of these people have tinnitus i don't think so that's no. So there's we also. We don't do broad strokes, gang. We don't do that, people. So there's also spontaneous autoacoustic emissions, which is, which is the idea that human ears generate their own noises. Great. Hate that. Various studies have shown that 38 to 60 percent of adults with normal hearing have these these spontaneous autoacoustic emissions. <laughs> oh my god. Although the majority are actually unaware that they even are experiencing these sounds because it just kind of like doesn't even register. The people who do have them and and can pick them up typically hear a faint hissing, like a cicada noise, buzzing or ringing, especially if they are otherwise in complete silence. So people who looked into the Tao's hum actually considered autoacoustic emissions as a possibility. But again, I think that's too many people. I think so too, but the idea of a of a diesel truck idling or a cicada making noise outside my window for all eternity sounds like perfect hell to me. Yeah, that that is hell. Throw in a few stink bugs in the mix, and I'm uh, yeah, it's <laughs> I'm a in the, the deepest circle of it. All right, That's so it. jet streams. Uh, Philip Dickinson at an <laughs> Institute of Biology conference suggested, this is in 1973, that the 30 to 40 hertz hum could be a result of a jet stream shearing against slower moving air and possibly being amplified by power line posts, some of which are shown to vibrate, or by rooms which had the corresponding resonant frequency. Another person, Jeff Leventhal, at the Chelsea College Acoustics Group, dismissed this suggestion as absolute nonsense. Oh, didn't like Phil Dickey's theory. Wow, a mighty bold, are we, Jeff? All right. Another one, another explanation is animals. So. Oh. And I don't know that this is necessarily the case for all of them, but because, I mean, of where these locations are. But for this one. Animals just straight up humming outside. (laughs) They're just humming along. (laughs) One of the many possible causes of the West Seattle hum that was considered was that it was related to the midshipman fish also known as a toadfish. A a previous hum in Sausalito, California, also on the west coast of the United States, was determined to be the mating call of the male toadfish. However, in that case, the hum was resonating through household hulls and affecting the people living on those boats. Um, People just diving into the water at the sound of the mating call. (laughs) That's enough, yeah. In the West... (laughs) In the West Seattle case, the University of Washington researcher or a University of Washington researcher determined that it would be impossible for any resonating hum transmitted via tanker or boat holes to be transmitted very far inland and certainly not far enough to account for the reports. The Scottish Association for Marine Science hypothesized that the nocturnal humming sound heard in Hythe, Hampshire. That is so UK. That is. 
right, uh, could be produced by a similar sonic fish. And the council believed this to be unlikely because the fish are not commonly found in shore waters of the UK. As of February 2014, the source has not been located, although the sound has now been recorded. And a case of hum in a house reported by the Daily Telegraph's letters from the readers on January 18, 2018, proved in fact to be a wasp's nest in a hollow wall. There you go. And that's all I have for you. Of these, I'm like, I'm kind of sort of believing that maybe it's a mix. Like, I don't think that we can want, like throw down one explanation as a blanket explanation, given mm. all the different like geo- like geographic locations that this is happening in. You can't just pick right. one of these. I would be, this is going to sound really weird, but I would be curious if it was happening and a, like, like deaf people can feel like planes and things like that. Like, I would be curious if there's a, if they could feel it. Like, like if, if, they, a, if, a if deaf they put like a deaf person it. there and to see if yeah. they picked up on any kind of vibrations. Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That'd be cool. I'd be curious about that. Yeah. That's a fair point. I didn't read anything about them testing this with deaf people, so I have no idea. Well, right. But it was just it's just one of those things where I was like, I wonder if they can feel it or if it's just specifically like a a a, a truck idling is that's that's me living outside my old apartment. That's horrible. Or that's outside my old apartment. That's horrible. <laughs> yeah. It's so it sounds so annoying. Like I feel really really bad for the people that are experiencing this. It sounds awful. Yeah. But that's but the I hum. agree. It's it's too widespread to be one thing. We don't do broad strokes. No, we we absolutely cannot pick one explanation and apply it to every single region that's experiencing this. I don't think. I don't think so. That's a, But that's a new kind of hell, is just to hear that constantly. Also, for it to be that age group, because they're dismissed so easily. They are, and that's so annoying to me. Yeah, it's especially when they're talking about things that are affecting them. Like, yeah. what are we doing? Why are we just being like, you're old. Go sit that's over not, there. It's not fair, and... and... On today's episode of What Annoys Cassie. <laughs> we're back. We're back. We're, we're here again, you know. Uh, that's it, though. Uh, what do you have today? I have the Rendlesham Forest incident. <laughs> Spooky. You're going to love this. Are Am I? Aliens? Yeah, yeah. Aliens. Aliens. Okay, give it to me. Let's hear about this In December forest. 1980, near the Rendlesham Forest in Suffolk, England, there was a series of reported sightings of unexplained lights. Oh, good. Lights. Oh, okay, yeah, I'm ready. Go. I'm ready. This is the most famous of claimed UFO sightings in England. It's ranking among the best-known reported UFO events worldwide and is sometimes referred to as Britain's Roswell. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. The UK Ministry of Defense stated the event posed no threat to national security. And oh. it therefore, never was investigated as a security matter. Well, and there we have that. That's just we'll okay. just sweep that right under the rug. We'll just keep moving on. Wash our hands of that. Yep. And welcome back to oddities where we don't like governments. Welcome back to oddities where we know the government covers up literally everything. <laughs> so let's talk about the forest for a second. Yes, yes, yes. The Rendlesham Forest is owned by the Forestry Commission and consists of about 5.8 square miles of coniferous plantations with some wetland areas thrown in you know because we're in england i'm getting a throwback to like seventh grade science class when we were covering like coniferous forests and all that shit i know remember when we cared about wildlife yeah yeah remember back when we were like educated about it and you know yeah yeah gang please take care of the earth it's trying to kill us right right right, because it doesn't want us here it's tired of us and i understand why very annoyed with us So it's located in Suffolk, England, eight miles of Ipswich. I go, this sounds very fucking Halloween-y to me. <laughs> Here we are, Ipswich. Somebody's somebody's going to get murdered there or something. That's right. So the incident occurred between two military bases, RAF Bentwaters, which is just to the north of the forest, and RAF Woodbridge, which extends into the forest from the west. Of course it's near military installations. Mm-hmm. Mm. And Woodbridge is where, basically, it's we're going to be stationed okay we're hanging stationed out in air quotes yeah okay that's rf woodbridge is the wicked witch from the forest of the west <laughs> uh, at the time both of these uh bases were being used by the usaf 
here we go. The base commander of RAF Woodbridge was Colonel Ted Conrad. Jesus Every Christ. I, I hear the name Conrad. I can only think of Conrad Birdie. I know. So, so the, the base commander of Woodbridge was Conrad Birdie, and his deputy <laughs> was, was Lieutenant Colonel Charles Halt. He's going to come up a lot. These guys are so... I mean, these names, it's just... I know. Okay. So the main events of the incident, including the supposed landing, was about 0.3 miles to the east of the RAF Woodbridge East Gate. The forest extends about 1.6 miles beyond the East Gate, ending at a farmer's field, where additional events allegedly took place. The Oxford Nest Lighthouse is along the same line of sight, about five miles further east of the forest edge. And at the time... The Orford Nest Lighthouse was one of the brightest lighthouses in the UK. Hmm. So let's talk about what happened. Mm-hmm. Around 3 a.m. on December of course. 26, 1980, although it was reported as December 27th by Halt in his memo to the UK Ministry of Defense. We'll get back to that. Okay. A, a security patrol near the east gate of RAF Woodbridge saw lights apparently descending into nearby Rendlesham Forest. Yes. Here we go. Yes. Astronomers have, have attributed these lights as pieces of natural debris seen burning up as a fireball over southern England at that time. My we ass. Also, we will also come back to that. Okay. Servicemen initially thought it was a downed aircraft, so they go out to investigate. According to Holt's memo, they described a glowing object, metallic in appearance, with colored lights. They tried to approach the object. Courage. I like that. Good on yeah, them. Yeah, we love it. Courage. Yeah. We love it. And it, appeared to, <laughs> garage, and it appeared to move through the trees and, quote, the animals on a nearby farm went into a frenzy, unquote. As would I. My sure. ass would be not worried. My ass would be pumped. I would be like, here they are. I've been waiting for them. They finally fucking showed up. towards that motherfucking spaceship. Knock, knock. Let me in. You know? I'm coming up. Here we are. One of the servicemen, Sergeant Jim Penniston, later claimed to have encountered a, quote, craft of unknown origin, unquote, while in the forest, although there was no publicized mention of this at the time, and there's no corroboration from other witnesses. I mm. smell a cover-up. I smell a cover-up indeed, and it is stinky. Shortly after 4 a.m., the police were called to the scene. What did they say on that phone call? Um, I need you guys to come take a look. There's something uh, something weird in in the forest. We might have seen aliens. (laughs) So the cops reported that the only lights they saw were from the Orford Nest Lighthouse miles away on the coast. Oh. Well, why did it take them like an hour to call? I mean, so much time has passed, you know? I mean, maybe they had to like drive back. They went out to investigate. Then they had to get back in the car. They had to drive back. I don't know. I guess. I would have just radioed it. Like, somebody oh, back at base, like, very, can very somebody call? Point. You know? Because they, <laughs> they always have radios. Can somebody get the cops on the horn? Something's wrong. There's something weird in the forest. <laughs> so after daybreak, the servicemen returned to the small clearing where they'd seen the craft and found three small impressions on the ground in a triangular pattern, as well as burn marks and broken branches on trees nearby. My friend, that does not sound like debris falling from the sky. So at 10.30 a.m., the cops were called again. Can you imagine what that <laughs> phone call sounded like? They're like, bro, we saw aliens. I'm fucking telling you. The cops were like, oi. And the cops were like, I'm so oh, tired. tired. <laughs> it's, an, it's probably like the same guys on the same shift. They must be exhausted. <laughs> probably. So this time, the cops came to see the impressions on the ground, and the cops thought it could have been an, it could have been an animal. An animal? What animal, what animal has triangular? triangle feet? I mean, unless we're talking about a hoof, but that's if they're putting one hoof down. See, they don't have that kind of... No, and also, of, like, when I'm picturing triangle, I mean, I'm picturing, like, a clean cut, like, you know. Well, there is there is a picture, and I did Google it. Oh, thank God. All right, I'm going to look it up while you're talking. Mm-hmm. What so, is the, an the, author... What, what should I look up? What? Rendlesham Forest... Uh, like landing picture? Yeah, okay. it'll pop up. All right. There's a far away shot that you can't, you can see absolute dog shit. And then there's a close up picture. Okay, all right. So an author named 
Georgina Bruni, in her book titled You Can't Tell People, great title, 10 out of 10. <laughs> Published Big a photograph. Big fan. Published a photograph of the supposed landing site taken on the morning after the first sighting. Yeah, but honestly, the the far away shot is so fucking blurry. When I Googled it, I was like, you can't see, you can barely tell there's a person in the background. In I that just picture. keep getting images of like a statue. What? <laughs> yeah, like a, like a, <laughs> it looks like a monument that they put down. <laughs> Oh, yeah, th- they did put down a monument, I think. Okay, all right. I'm, so I'm still looking for, like, evidence photos. So in the early hours of the 28th of December, reported as the next day by Halt in his memo, Charles Halt visited the site with several servicemen to take radiation readings in the Triangle of Depressions and in the surrounding area using a standard U.S. military radiation survey meeting. Thank God we got some radiation readings. Oh, you know what? That is so not an animal. Or if it's an animal, that's a big-ass animal and also an alien. That's right. They're together. That's it. They detected 0.07 milloentigens. Entgens. Got him. Whatever. Got, Got him. him. Per hour. Well, the background level is 0.03 to 0.04. Okay. What's like hour. a, d- did they give like what a standard reading is? I th- Yeah. I think that when they say the background level, I oh, think the, that means like okay. a standard reading. Understood. So a, a little bit, uh, a little bit higher. <laughs> a little something. Yeah. They, they detected a small, similar burst over a half mile from the landing site. During this investigation, Halt recorded his findings on a micro cassette recorder. That motherfucker comes back. Great. It was during this investigation that a flashing light was seen across the field to the east. However, it was almost in line with a farmhouse, which was like as witnesses had seen on the first night. But the Orford Nest Lighthouse is visible further to the east in that same line of sight. Mm, okay. According to Halt's memo later, three star-like lights were seen in the sky, two to the north and one to the south, about 10 degrees above the horizon. Halt said that the brightest of these hovered for two to three hours and seemed to beam down a stream of light from time to time. I bet they did. Beam me up, Scotty. That's right. Here comes Halt's memo. Okay. Oh, good. This is the first piece of primary evidence to be made to the public. It's a memorandum written to the minister, the Ministry of Defense. Every time I say Ministry of anything, I'm like, Harry <laughs> Ministry <Potter>. of Magic. <laughs> yeah, it, absolutely. In 1983, it's made available to the public in the United States after the U.S. Freedom of Information Act. Uh, the memorandum was dated the 13th of January, 1981, under the title, Unexplained Lights. We were big fans of these titles. These right titles, the man. I mean, the, you know what? That's the British. Right to the that's point. Right. We're just, you know. Yeah, they're like, we're not it. faffing around here. We're, There's no, we're getting in there. No room for fluff. There's work to be done. And I understand that and appreciate it. The two-week the two week delay between the incident and the report might account for errors in the dates and times given. The memo was not classified in any way. A consultant to the National Archives, David Clark, interviewed personnel at the Ministry of Defense and confirmed the cursory nature of the investigation made by them and failed to find any evidence for any other reports on the incident made by the USAF or UK apart from the Halt memo. David Clark's like, you guys didn't do shit. You guys need to be better. Halt has since gone on record believing he witnessed an extraterrestrial event that was then covered up. Oh! In June 2010, Halt signed a notarized affidavit where he summarized what happened and to reaffirm that he believed he witnessed an extraterrestrial event that was then covered up by both the U.S. and the U.K. There it is. There it is. So, here comes his tape. In 1984, a copy of the cassette recording known publicly as the Halt tape was released to UFO researchers by Colonel Sam Morgan who had by then succeeded Conrad Birdie as Holt Superior. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really sorry, Ted Conrad, but you're now Conrad Birdie on this podcast. This this has become a very, like, outer space musical. (laughs) Bye-bye, Birdie. Bye-bye, Birdie. Intergalactic. That's right. Yeah, now I feel like it's going to go into the Beastie Boys. You got it. Uh, And... An English science writer and broadcaster, Ian Ridpath, transcribed the tape and created a step-by-step analysis of the entire content. I will say, when you Google this, the audio file comes up. Really? I'm going to listen to it. Is it cool? It's like it's like 15 minutes. A, I, a lot of it is just it. them, like, walking. Oh. 
Fair enough. But then you, you hear them talking and like describing what's going on. So, statements from eyewitnesses. In 1997, Scottish researcher James Easton obtained the original witness statements made by those involved in the first night sightings. These witnesses fucking kill me. They're so to the point. A witness said in his statement, quote, We figured the lights were coming from, the, from past the forest. We would see a glowing near the beacon light, but as we got closer, we found it to be a lit-up farmhouse. We got to a vantage point where we could determine that what we were chasing was only a beacon of light off in the distance, unquote. Aren't we all? I know, big time. Another witness said, quote, We could see a beacon going around, so we went towards it. We followed it for about two miles before we could see it was coming from a lighthouse, unquote. <laughs> I love how blunt the British are. They're That's like, fantastic. We saw a beacon, so we went towards it. Then we saw it was the lighthouse, so we went home. So, so we went to the pub and had a pint. <laughs> Called and it we a were day. like, I'm over this. <laughs> the same witness reported a noise quote, like a woman screaming, unquote. Oh. And that you could, quote, hear the farm animals making a lot of noises, unquote. Okay, right. Halt heard the same noises two nights later. It could have been a fox. Some believe that it could have been the muntjac deer in the forest who are known to make shrill, loud sounds when alarmed. Yeah, well, we have some deer out here that make, like, this very strange, raspy noise. And if you're just, like, out at night and you hear that shit, you're like, the fuck, you know? I will, I mean, animals make very wild noises that sound very human-like and freak people the fuck out. I turned you. I, I turned you. I, turned you. <sighs> I told you about the coyotes that we had recently. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I said it on the podcast, but I literally thought, like, from inside, we were sitting there watching TV. I straight up thought there was just, like, a group of people outside partying. That's what it sounded like. It was the weirdest fucking thing. And in our hometown, you could hear foxes screaming all the time. You could hear anything. Yeah, it was And crazy. it sounded like kids. Yeah. Or like someone's or women uh, person or, screaming. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So contradictions between the affidavit and the facts as recorded at the time in Holt's memo and tape have been pointed out. Here, here comes Conrad Birdie. Here in, he is. In 2010, Conrad Birdie provided a statement about the incident stating... Quote, we saw nothing that resembled Lieutenant Colonel Halt's descriptions either in the sky or on the ground. <laughs> Followed by, we had people in position to validate Halt's narrative, but none of them could. Unquote. Well, okay. All right. Wrap that up in Birdie's a pretty package. Like, no. <clears throat> yeah. Bye bye, so Birdie Conrad, indeed. That's right. Conrad criticized Halt over the affidavit, criticizing his claims that the UK government tried in any way to cover something like this up. Conrad also disputed the testimony of Sergeant Jim Penninson, who claimed to have touched an alien spacecraft, claiming that he'd interviewed him at the time of the occurrence, and he said no such thing. I will also say that him, Penninson claiming to touch it, was nowhere in Holt's memo. I, that's, yeah, that's... So, I'm, I'm yeah, discrediting Yeah, I'm going to write that off, yeah. A 1930... Nope. 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 A 1983, the numbers jumped, We had a moment. Omni article offers up a different account of Conrad's that he remembers the serviceman recounting this event, but the article finally declared, quote, he went into the forest and located a triangular pattern ostensibly made by the tripod legs of when they set something up. Yep. He did interview two of the eyewitnesses and concludes, those lads saw something, but I don't know what it was, unquote. <laughs> About that time, eh, chaps? Righto. <laughs> uh, the Suffolk Police. I fucking. That's such a tagline for life. Those lads saw something. I don't but know I don't know was. what it was. <laughs> I feel like that's a mood for my entire life. I mean, that's I like a nice. That's a nice middle ground, right? Like he's not totally yeah. discrediting. He's like, yeah, they saw something, but I don't, I don't know, know what it was. was. <laughs> I'm not doing any further investigating. I'm enough's going enough. Back. Stick a fork that's in right. me. I'm done. That's right. That's the epitome of stick a fork in me. Yeah, for like, sure. They saw something. I don't know. So the, the Suffolk police attributed the indentations to animals. A late Oh, a later. A later. A letter dated the 28th of July, 1999, was released in 2005 due to the UK's Freedom of Information Act, written by Inspector Mike Topless, who notes that one of the constables returned to the site in the morning to see if he missed anything, but, quote, there was nothing to be seen, and he remains unconvinced that the occurrence was genuine, unquote. <coughs> hmm. Claiming that the lighthouse at night, in certain weather and cloud conditions, these beams were very pronounced and certainly caused strange visual effects. 
Fair enough. I mean, if, if it's the lighthouse and it's going shining through the forest, I mean... And it's the brightest lighthouse in the UK. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's possible. So when the Ministry of Defense file was released, the lack of any in-depth investigation was seen as being part of the cover-up, while it reaffirms the belief that the Ministry of Defense did not take the case seriously. I'm going to get into some explanations real quick. All right. One proposed theory is that the entire thing was a hoax. Yep. The BBC reported that a former U.S. security policeman, Kevin Cond, claimed responsibility for creating strange lights in the forest by driving around in a police vehicle whose lights he had modified. However, there it's... were no... Rep- of course, <laughs> one of our fucking truck. <laughs> cowboys out there dicking around. <clears throat> Classic. There were, no re- there were no reports of this occurring on these specific nights when the lights were seen. So classic. But another theory is that it was a down Soviet satellite, but no evidence has been produced to support this. Oh, see, I was definitely going to go for that one, but okay. Another theory was a combination of three main factors. The initial sighting at 3 a.m. on the 26th of December when the airmen saw something apparently descending into the forest coincided with the appearance of a bright fireball over southern England. The supposed landing marks were identified by police and foresters as rabbit diggings. And no evidence has emerged to confirm that anything actually came down in the forest. Wow. I still kind of smell a cover-up. But the fireball thing is interesting to me. It is. At first I was like, that's astronomers being like, it could be a fireball. But then there actually was one over England. There was, in fact, a fireball. So, yeah. Witness statements indicated that the flashing light was the same direction as the lighthouse, with witnesses attempting to approach the light and realizing it was farther off than they thought. And timings on Holt's tapes recording during his sighting on the 28th of December indicate that he, the light he saw, which lay in the same direction as the light seen two nights earlier, flashed every five seconds, which was the flash rate of our lighthouse. And the lights hovering to the north and the south that Holt described are thought to be misinterpretations of bright stars by atmospheric and optical effects. The brightest among them to the south matched the position of Sirius at that time, the brightest star in the night sky. Hmm. A scientific skeptic author, Brian Dunning, concluded, (laughs) this is so good, (laughs) quote, always remember, separate pieces of poor evidence don't aggregate together into a single piece of good evidence. You can stack cow pies as high as you want, but they won't turn into a bar of gold, unquote. He's right. He is right. He is definitely not wrong. And that is the Rendlesham Forest incident. I have a final explanation. It is that The lighthouse is, in fact, a spaceship. (laughs) (laughs) The lighthouse is just like, we're going to take off now. (laughs) And beep, beep. And just leaves. (laughs) Beep, beep. We out of here, bitches. I always, every time I think of lighthouses now, I think of um, Stanley from The Office. I think of Annihilation. Did you watch The Office? No. Oh my god, Stanley in the office. I one time I got a quiz. It was like which office character are you? And I got Stanley. And that's the best result I could have ever achieved in any kind of personality quiz on anything. Thank God you got it though. He he doesn't give a shit about anything at all. When it they announce he's retiring, he goes, I've been waiting for this day since I was fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be me. <laughs> <laughs> He's the best, but he talks about how he wants to live in a lighthouse where and no one knows he's there. And then at the end of his life, there's an eject button that just projectiles him into space. Dude, that's a way to go. That's Stanley what I'm talking is talking about. Yeah, that's awesome. But that's what I. But I also think of Annihilation because she gets to that lighthouse in the end. Yeah, that's where all the shit hits the fan. Yeah, that movie's bonkers. The book. I... Is good. I loved that movie until the last 20 minutes of it. And then I was like, this is too, too fucking trippy. Like, up Me to too. that point, it was great. It was brilliant, I thought. Especially, like, that weird, like, screaming bear situation. That shit was fucked up. Yeah, and I loved all the different ways that the characters, like, just, like, either wandered off or disappeared. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was like, the right kind of eerie. And then it got to the end, mm-hmm. and I was like, I feel like I dropped acid. Yeah, it was very weird. And, and was, I liked how they showed the shimmer. It wasn't un, it was unlike anything I'd ever seen before. Yeah, it was very well done until the last chunk of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there you have it, folks. <laughs> and there you have it. That's our review on Annihilation. A PSA, some spooky shit, and a quick review on Annihilation. 
That's right. <laughs> that's this alien. episode of Nutshell, yeah. isn't it? Mm. And aliens. And aliens. you know what? Here's the other thing. You can stack cow pies as high as you want, and they won't turn into a bar of gold. It won't turn into a bar of gold. That's right. Um, all right. So valuable lessons, everybody. And yeah, I will say valuable lessons all around this episode. Yeah, this this was this was of great value. And until next time, stay strange. <laughs>